everyone. This is uh, Billy Ray Mitchell and Grayson with the Sons of Saturday. Just uh, kind of a state of the union here. Um, Pat and I did record a podcast on this uh, this past Wednesday here, as we discussed. Uh, we talked about a multitude of things, including a fantastic, um, almost grade sheet for the Mike Young Season 1 uh, era. Uh, talked a little VT women's basketball and also did letters from the lunch pail. I'm going to include that segment after uh, this intro segment we are doing here uh, with my friend Grayson. Um, we The reason we didn't put it out is because for the beginning half of the podcast, we had discussed the COVID-19 and what was going on. And actually during the podcast, the NBA canceled their season and the next day the ACC canceled the tournament and obviously – the situation has been very fluid since then, so we didn't think that it was um, appropriate or really time. It was very time sensitive, so we just kind of decided to hold off on it and put the content out a little bit later. Speaking on that, um, something that I just wanted to say, and and I know this is small potatoes compared to what we'll eventually get into here in a couple minutes. Uh, I just wanted to. Shout out all of the seniors, uh, both involved in sports and not involved in sports. Um, it's kind of cliche, but a lot of people say that uh, you never really value something until it's gone. And uh, I remember it was obviously a different situation, but um, my playing days ended uh, abruptly, um, not really when you expected them to. Um, and just thinking about seniors on on different teams across Virginia Tech athletics, whether it be uh, Taylor Kasky or MC McCarthy or, or underclassmen like Ian Seymour having a um, an incredible year, one of the best pitchers in baseball, or um, the, the seniors on the Virginia Tech women's basketball team won't be able to play in the tournament for the first time in, in almost a decade, um, or even the seniors that won't be able to come back from Key West and, and really enjoy those last few weeks. Some of my fondest memories as a as a student at Virginia Tech were that time coming back, spending it on the river, spending it on with your friends, and um, just thinking back, there hasn't been a time since I've graduated where I've been with every single person of the various friend groups that I have at Virginia Tech, and um, that's a lot to go through. Um, losing your last year of eligibility or those last six weeks, so um, just kind of something I wanted to float out there and, and, and send my thoughts out to, but we are very proud and... and um, and excited of the success that we saw from the multiple sports at Virginia Tech in the spring. And our heart goes out to those who gave so much to their respective programs and, and didn't get to see it through. Um, Grayson, I wanted to just kind of talk with you about what these last few weeks have been like. And, and, and speaking for myself, I mean, I'm here in Bergen County, New Jersey, back at home. Um, I originally was going to be WFH. All of our offices at Twilio have been closed. Um, every employee is not allowed to go back to work. It was at first up until the end of the month, and now it is until further notice. Um, I mean, I, I fully don't expect to be back in my office at least until uh, until mid-May, but um, it, it, it's it's crazy times. The town, the town where I was born, just about 10, 15 minutes from here, is on complete lockdown. I'm not allowed to go to any stores unless it's a grocery store or a pharmacy. Um, Not allowed to conglomerate in the streets. Um, 
it's it, it it's a scary time and 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 as dangerous as the disease is for a certain section of the population it's almost it's almost like you're living in a movie when you're walking down the st- streets and you see some of the things that you see or, or you're watching some of the things that you watch on television, uh, Grayson. So just kind of wanted you to weigh in on, on what you're seeing over on the uh, other side of the country. It's really funny you mentioned the movie analogy there. I, just earlier today at work, yes, I'm still going to my office. A coworker and I were talking about how this literally, what is going on right now, is the plot of the day after tomorrow, the movie 2012, and The Walking Dead all combined into one. Like, this is it's scary, guys. It's it's really scary. I've never experienced anything like this in my life. Uh, I have people who are 80 years old who I know who have never experienced anything like this in their lives. Um, on the West Coast. Like I said, I am still going to work. One of the few people, most of the people in my office are working from home. I hope to follow suit here soon. I do need to talk to my to my boss. Some kind of extenuating circumstances have come up. Um, currently in California, Bill, it's a similar situation. People, uh, the governor just closed down restaurants, uh, except for takeout only. Closed down entertainment venues, which LA has a plethora of just closed down nightclubs and it's this is life now uh for other than my bedroom in my apartment and maybe these next few days going to the office that's literally the only places i'm going to be going other than trying to go to the grocery store to get groceries i guess the only thing that i want to to hammer home to people is young people college people people who have recently graduated, this is not a joke. This is very, very serious. I I know a lot of my friends who just went out for St. Patrick's Day festivities over the weekend. I'm going to tell you, that probably wasn't smart. Stay home. Wash your hands. Stay clean. Literally, like this is a very, very scary time. If you can prevent this virus from spreading take every measure possible to make that happen. Um, I guess the only upside from what's going on right now is with a lot of people working from home, the the traffic in LA has been nice, at least this morning on the way to work. It took me about 25 minutes to get to the office. That won't matter here soon when nobody will be going to work. Uh, Bill, honestly, that's all I really have to say is just take this seriously. Seriously, the sun's a Saturday. We're going to try and be a light. We want to be a light, obviously. I mean, we're still recording right now. We have a great episode coming up for you guys uh, featuring David Cunningham. Um, so that's honestly really all I have to say. And and, and Grayson, just, just to piggyback off that, um, my, biggest, uh, my biggest fear, obviously, you know, speaking to young people, it's, it's, it's easy to look back and say I would have probably been the person to – be going out on St. Patrick's and, and, and hanging out and doing whatever. But, um, I mean, just speaking personally from, from my life, I have a, uh, an older grandfather and I have a, a mother with a, with a lung condition and, and going out and being socially responsible is not really about the 24 year old, the 25 year old, the 26 year old, or even the 35 year old. It's about keeping the people that may have exposed immune systems or, um, 
or, or weakened lungs or, or anything like that, keeping those people safe. Um, and also speaking to people in the healthcare industry is people are still going to break their leg. People are still going to have seizures. People are still going to have heart attacks and unrelated ailments. And with the influx of people that are coming in with this disease, there's not going to be ample resources or space to account for that. Um, be socially responsible. There's been some great things that I've seen, whether it be the jet flyover in Italy or the people singing in the streets or, or things like that. But there's also been horrible things I've seen. I think at the end of the day, moments like this, um, I like to think, bring people together. But d just don't – just be a good person. Uh, you see horrible things like people fighting over – over toilet paper and over other things in grocery stores, just look out for one another, look out for the people you love, and, and, and just be responsible. Um, again, like you said, Grayson, we're going to do everything we can to keep it light, keep you entertained. Obviously, it's going to be at least eight weeks until we get to see uh, sports back on the television. But um, my initiative that I'm going to be pushing is finding ways, if it, while we're home, don't let this time pass by without doing anything. If you are, if you're working from home, great. But if you're not, or if you're a student, or if you have two weeks of of paid leave, find something to fill your basket and and improve yourself. Whether it be um, taking a class, reading a book, um, exercising, um, uh, whatever you need to do, just from a standpoint of not wasting this uh, added time that you get extra um, that you wouldn't normally have, and also. Keeping yourself mentally sane, um, you know, I, it's not something I've thought about, but these last few days, like, I've, I've been driving myself crazy. You get an opportunity to spend some extra time with your family, extra time with your roommates, or whatever your case may be, reach out to each other, help each other. It's a very difficult time that we've never really, um, nobody really knows what to do right now, so help each other out. Before, before we transition into this episode, y'all... I want to share something that actually my mom shared with me, um, and I quote, When this is over, may we never again take for granted a handshake with a stranger, full shelves at the store, conversations with neighbors, a crowded theater, Friday night out, the taste of communion, a routine checkup, the school rush each morning, coffee with a friend, the stadium roaring, each deep breath, a boring Tuesday or life itself. So something to think about there. End quote. We'll end it on that. That was that was uh that was beautiful that was beautiful, Grayson from from Mrs. Wimbish. Shout out to you. And um we will uh run this episode with D Cunna. Uh or actually we will transition here to the conversation that Pat and I had, letters from the lunch pail, and then a excellent interview with uh Hokey Royalty D Cunna. Everybody take care of yourself, be a good person and uh, we're going to get through this together. So, Pat, the Mike Young chapter has closed in year one. Let's do a little synopsis here. Chapter one, it's over. There were some highs. There were some lows. We'll kick this off with a little haiku submitted by another, none other than uh, one of the founding members of Section 5, Mr. Bryce Chalkley. Oof. Take some perspective. Two and 16 under buzz. Bigger things to come. Now, year one, under buzz, two and 16, 
in conference. You know, 18 conference games. Now we got 20 conference games. It's a little bit different, but we'd love to kind of just run through a quick comparison. Uh, Buzz Williams and Mike Young's first seasons, and then uh, the roster that Buzz had, the roster that Mike Young had, and then uh, who joined for season number two, chapter two. So, if we uh, go back a couple years in the yearbook here, open up page. Uh, open up to page 2014, 2015. That team went 11 and 21, 2 and 16 in conference, and finished 14th in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Um, so, first year under Buzz, the roster consisted of uh, a bunch of freshmen. You had uh, Justin Bibbs, Devin Wilson, Adam Smith, Malik Mueller, uh, Ahmed Hill. Jalen Hudson, uh, Joey Van Zegeren, Satchel Peter, excuse me, Satchel Pierce, Shane Henry, Will Johnston. So a lot of talent on that roster, but they were all extremely young. Does that sound familiar? That team, with all that talent, uh, yeah, it had a lot, it had some talent, but it didn't have much depth. It didn't have much height, I should say. 2 and 16 in the ACC, 14th place. Their notable wins were a overtime win against Pittsburgh, a win against Georgia Tech, and then a uh, an ACC tournament win against Wake Forest. Turn the page to the second year. Uh, a lot of those folks stay on the roster, and then you pick up guys who are more of uh, difference makers, like Chris Clark, Seth Allen, and Zach Leday, uh, who are true transfers who highly impacted the program and then uh young talents freshman guys justin robinson and carrie blackshear jr that team chapter two went 20 and 15 overall they went 10 and 8 in conference and tied for seventh in conference so 10 and 8 is is a pretty good conference mark uh just to kind of give you the rundown here in my opinion zach Leday was the uh, the catalyst that team we mm-hmm. had some size in the middle that we needed chris clark also provided a lot of good size uh, in the middle having him work the free throw line but you know he was super young at that point and you know still a developing talent where zach Leday, you know would go out and you know get close to a double double every game we lost to alabama state in game one at home do you guys remember that one and then acc uh i guess it wasn't it was some type of a uh, challenge we got blown out by iowa state at their place no fun we lost to lost to Northwestern at home Heartbreaker. in the AC Big Ten Challenge. I think that was when Joey Van Zegren had transferred to Northwestern and he came home and uh, beat us in Castle. And then we started ACC play. We got a big win at, uh, against NC State and we beat UVA, who was ranked number four at the time, at home in front of an empty Castle Coliseum because the students were still on uh, winter break. Ultimately, we finished that season on a six-game winning streak to end the season, including a nice win over Miami, who is ranked in the top ten. And uh, it, it was a very solid end of the season. We went to the NIT, had a high seed in the NIT, beat Princeton at home, and then lost to BYU. Because we missed our free throws. That second round, because we cannot hit a free throw. So... Overall, I mean, drastic improvements from year one to year two. But again, this team still lost to Alabama State. So zoom out. Year two, Mike Young. I don't know if Alabama State's on the schedule for next year. 
if we lose to Alabama State or someone like that in you know non-conference play, the uh, the barn is not on fire. But just to recap this year, 16 and 16, so 500 record. That's already you know house money. Seven and 13 in the ACC, 12th place, and then some big wins. We had the Clemson win in the opener. Nolly went off. We're all like, okay, we're we're going to the the Final Four, and then we beat Michigan State. Had a pretty desirable lead uh the entirety of the game and then uh you know much down the stretch and then probably the third biggest win was that overtime thriller two overtimes against carolina at home had some close losses as well overtime against boston college overtime three overtimes against uh, miami and then that close loss at home on a saturday against syracuse um you have a couple of those games landers nolly launched it from the logo uh you know would definitely say more questionable decision making there but you know he's got the green light from coach and uh if coach young wants lenders not only to have that shot then you got to trust both of them there but similar you know similar roster you had a, a guy like uh will be sabidi who you know was great at defense and a distributor but not really a true scorer and then you had guys like radford and jalen cone emerge kind of like uh you know buzz's roster with justin bibbs and you know and adam smith um so you know you you have these contributors you never really had like a a true score outside of nolly who was very cold towards the end of the year and then next year we get we get a lot of solid additions to the roster. So Caban goes back. We get Grant Yates, who's a six eight forward, transferring from CNU. We get uh, KV Aluma, who is a transfer from Wofford. He's six nine, average seven and seven at Wofford. So that's that desired size. Jonathan Ojiako is going to be a lot better than he was this year, and we saw some improvement from him throughout the entire season. I think a year. Uh, in the weight room in a year uh, kind of understanding the the game of basketball under coach young a little bit more is really going to help him because he's only been playing basketball for a couple of years and then two guards joe bamasil and darius maddox both virginia guys uh, who are four-star guards coming in as freshmen next year so overall the roster is going to get a lot better we should have a couple more scores we're going to have some more height and ultimately, I, I only see improvement from this team. So, you know, finishing 12th in conference, 7-13, and 13, you know, I, I could see us close, finishing closer to or above 500 next year. Bill, what were your favorite moments from the season? All right, top moments from the season. Here we go. The Clemson W, first and foremost, hands down, was my favorite moment of the season. You come out. Not really sure what expectations are. Super young team, new coach. Everybody's talking about how bad we are. And then we go in to the whatever center in Clemson, Little John. And uh, Little John, the uh, Little Tigers, Mike Young comes out and pulverizes the Tigers on the road. Beat them twice, by the way, that season. I thought that was a huge win. Really set the tone. Um, Loved that. I was in the air when I watched it. Uh, Paid the 12 bucks for the Wi-Fi because I'm hashtag committed. Uh, all in, and then uh, MSU, the Michigan State win was uh, was an all timer. The Maui, uh, the Maui challenge. I remember, as I typically do, saying a year and a half. Oh, Maui, I'm going. Yeah, let me buy my tickets. I didn't buy my tickets, but I did watch it, and it was awesome. Um, 
Wabisa Beattie with some huge free throws down the stretch, which was not very foreshadowing. But nonetheless, Wabisa Beattie knocking down some huge free throws to secure that win. That was a signature one of the season. And then this is where it gets unorthodox. I learned the most about this team towards the tail end of the season, where everybody is talking trash about about um, about Horn, everyone's talking trash about Beatty, everyone's talking trash, or not everyone, but the clowns on social media are just trashing some of these kids, and they fought and they clawed and almost forced overtime against a UVA team that far superior this year, uh, and this was coming off of a three-overtime loss versus Miami. They got crushed by Duke um, and lost at the last second against Virginia. But that really taught me about the togetherness of this team, how this team doesn't quit. It would have been really easy for a young team like that to really mail it in down the stretch, and they refused to do it. So I um, thought we learned a lot about Mike Young and how much the kids are bought in uh, in that UVA game down the stretch. Yeah, as far as my favorite moments of the year, uh, two dunks were complete highlight reel dunks. Uh, the first one being... Uh, the Radford dunk at Wake Forest when he just completely posterized that uh, that seven-footer from Wake. And then I think it was the next game or two games after in Castle, and Bill and I were sitting right next to each other for this. Uh, Naheem Elaine's dunk mm-hmm. against Florida State when we were trying to mount a comeback absolutely blew the roof off that place. Uh, one of the loudest mo- moments I've heard Castle Coliseum was that Elaine dunk that will one of those overshadowed dunks because uh it was not in a winning effort uh but i digress awesome dunk loved the comeback win at syracuse at the carrier dome that place is usually a house of horrors and we had i think we were losing by like 15 or something and jalen cone just comes alive and mike young was serving up some cones some ice cream cones and jalen went five uh, five for seven from three and had 19 total points and just completely destroyed uh, the Syracuse dreams. Unfortunately, Syracuse came back and Buddy Bayheim did the same thing to us uh, the following weekend. But uh, absolutely loved uh, Tyrese Radford's game winner in double overtime against Carolina. That was electric. Landers Nolly, you know, he definitely struggled down the stretch, but uh, it's hard to forget that amazing mm. performance against Clemson at Little Little John uh, Coliseum to start the year. And then two final things that, uh, I guess three final things that we can touch on is being just tremendous uh, parts of the basketball culture here at Virginia Tech. One, the Castle Guard and the student section and just the overall atmosphere at Castle Coliseum is definitely one of the hardest places to play in the ACC. Yes. And uh, it's really hard to get away with, uh, from there with a win. And I think uh, that that castle guard and the atmosphere there's only going up additionally the mike mike young popcorn phenomenon mike young era get your popcorn ready buy the shirt sons of saturday.com uh the fact that everyone loves talking about mike young and his popcorn is just great and uh it really adds to his persona as well and lastly just virginia tech social media twitter just trolling (laughs) opponents after beating them Carolina puts out Virginia Tech wins double overtime and you got hundreds of Hokies in the mentions posting pictures of uh, Radford and the Nolly Trolley and Hunter Couture and Mike Young serving up Jalen Cohn from an ice cream stand. So (laughs) 
it was a tremendous season. I think uh, I think it provided a lot more excitement than we would have anticipated on April. I think it was April 9th when Mike Young was hired. So I think we've got only one way to go, and that direction is up. Uh, moving right along, we are we are wrapping up with letters to the lunch pail, and th- I gotta tell you. The lunch pail, the hinge was 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 buckling. It was heavy. We had to go out and get a get a uh, get a WD-40. freaking D forty. Yeah, it was. We had a lot of we had a lot of letters here. Um, so we will reimburse you for your stampage. But thank you for uh, for writing on in here. Um, first question of the, uh, of the of the palery. Now, season in, the Mike Young hire, amazing or fantastic? I'll tell you what, Joey Sorrentino, you're not giving me much of an option here. So I'll go with amazing tastic. I thought it was great. You know, we got a uh, we got a lot to do here. Excited to see who he brings in. Interested to see what Landers does this off season. Um, I know his pops went on like uh, popcorn radio or something and said that he might be declaring for the draft or going professional. Interested to see what kind of decision he makes. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, and then a little bit of a two part question here: What is the ceiling for the team next year, Pat? What is our ceiling? I think the ceiling for this team next year, again, you're getting some height that is definitely needed. You got improving freshmen, and also you're getting some more scorers on the roster. I think the ceiling for the team is like the 8-9 line that we sat on for two years in a row uh, in the NCAA tournament. I would say that is the ceiling. I would say a, a first-round bye in the ACC tournament and a uh, 8 or 9 seed in the NCAAs. Okay. And then favorite spring break story? Um, I love the Crab Shack. I still have that koozie in Key West. Um, don't go scuba diving in Key West. It's like $80, and I didn't see anything. Um, so that was annoying. Uh, and the mopeds. Loved the mopeds. Yeah, we were uh, we were cruising around in those scooters all week, but I got two funny stories. Uh, one of them, my guy Danny Ficina. Uh, he was obsessed with the wings at Dante's Pool Bar. Uh, I think he got wings there all five days that we were there, which is kind of uh, kind of extreme to order that type of food from a pool bar pool bar that many times in one week. Uh, but I did try them before uh, climbing aboard the Key West Express on our way out, <laughs> and I did have an order of the wings, and they were quite fantastic. Uh, addition to that. <laughs> Thomas Aruda, if you're listening, hope you are, my guy. <laughs> uh, Thomas lost one in one million odds with Danny about getting a, uh, a Key West rooster henna tattoo on his lower back. And I think they both said like 550,000. And he lost odds. He had to go, uh, <laughs> he had to go get this henna tattoo and, uh, I think Karsten like funded it, and then he started to go fund me because he didn't mean to fund it, and it was absolutely hilarious. There are pictures. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll tweet them out if Thomas gives permission. Like that, sons of compliance. What sons improvements? Compliance. What improvements would you like to see happen at Castle or Lane in the coming five to ten years? This is an interesting question, Alex Jones. So, five to ten years is a pretty substantial time frame. So instead of going with like the typical, I want to see seed backings, I'm gonna go with um, you know five to ten years, going with the vision that um, Dr. Sands has laid out for better or for worse. Uh, I'm gonna go with just uh, expanding the north end zone. I uh, would love to see us. 
fill that out with a second tier. I don't know how we would do that though, because I do love the 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 classic scoreboard that we have with the Hokies on the back. So I'm not really sure. Five to ten years is quite a long time. Maybe no. Here's one. I want us to improve the game, the museum that we have towards the front of. Uh, of the stadium. There is a museum there. Some people don't even know it exists. There is a horrifying mannequin of a Virginia Tech uh, cheerleader. Um, I think they can do a better job with that, with the history history surrounding the program. I know that we kind of have one, or we definitely have one in the Merriman facility, but that's the one that the public goes to see. So I'd like to see them give that a little bit of a little bit of a facelift. And we talked about it earlier. Do away with the smoke grenades, um, over the smoke grenades, and maybe work on the... um, Work on the game day playlist. Um, I guess those are my those are my couple of things for the suggestion box. Yeah, game day playlist. Uh, take notes from the University of Georgia or Notre Dame's band. Uh, both of them play awesome music. Mm-hmm. Castle Coliseum definitely needs to be power washed, whether it is the roof yes. or the columns. Good call. Danny, uh, Danny the wing guy, uh, he has been calling for uh, hashtag make the castle roof clean again mm-hmm. since... 2016 because uh, there's a lot of black mold on the roof and the columns and then uh, also I really do agree with the uh, the necessary or unnecessary orange smoke grenades that go off during Enter Sandman uh, it, you kind of like start coughing um, in, in those folks in the lower west stands close to north I know uh, it's not good if you have you know asthma and I don't think it looks very good at all either. So mm-hmm. I think that should be uh, not an improvement, but something we need to uh, get rid of. For my senior year, I'm trying to go to every road football game. God, I love Grant Watson. What are some of your favorite stadiums to travel to in the ACC to watch the Hokies? I haven't been here yet. I am extremely excited to go to Louisville. It's going to be on Halloween weekend. Pat, I know you already have your, your tickets um, I think that's going to be a really, really awesome road game. So Grant William, Grant Watson, come have a come have a come have a burr with the Suns. Uh, we'd love to hang with you. Um, other than that, we're not going to Boston College. Boston College is not a great football atmosphere, but I love the the town. Um, North Carolina is going to be a huge game, obviously. Um, but I love the commitment to going to to all the games pittsburgh sucks i'll just i'll just i'll just shoot you straight yeah for me it's got to be florida state uh it's cool campus they got college town they got madison social and uh you know beautiful girls all over campus lots of fun doing the tomahawk chop uh, at florida state they were wearing the black uniforms we were rocking the whites it was a hot night it was awesome tomahawk chop we smoked Willie Taggart and the Knowles, and that is a super fun uh, college atmosphere to go to. So that, that's really the one that I've had the most fun at. I haven't been to Clemson yet and uh, haven't been to Georgia Tech either. Those are two that are on the list. Louisville is going to be awesome this fall. I can't wait for Louisville. Um, here we go from Karsten. 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 What do you think occurs first, Virginia Tech football in the college football playoff or Virginia Tech basketball in the final four. Given final four. Oh, I disagree. I think the college football playoff, I think the way that the coastal is organized and the ability of 
us to have kind of one of the two of those games where if we're able to win, if we're able to beat a Penn State this year uh, and win an ACC uh, conference championship, I just think it's more likely to do to do in football. I think with the college football playoff, um, the AC, it's going to be tough for the ACC not to get a bid in. And if you're able to beat Clemson in the ACC championship, um, you're going to be in regard- unless you have like four losses. Where in basketball, it's so much more. I mean, a lot of people are always blown away by the upsets of the of the one seeds or the Duke or the UNCs or uh, the Michigan States. But if you always if you look at the bracket at the end of the year, you're typically seeing those ones, twos, and threes in the final four. So, um, not doubting it. I'd love to see it. I'm here for it. Um, I just think that football is is more likely. I'm gonna think that basketball is more likely, being in the fact that um, you know you only have a roster of. You know, five to ten guys. You only have five guys on the floor at one point, and if you have a dynamite recruiting class or two dynamite recruiting cycles in a row, you're able to assemble a team that can get there. I think if uh, if Landers Nolly was on the roster last year, granted he had a cold stretch at the end of the year, so people probably have a different perception of him. Uh, that team could go to the Final Four. I also think that the way that the NCAA tournament is set up is, is that yeah, your ones your twos your threes and your fours are going to get to the final four but also the ncaa tournament is where your george masons your vcus your syracuse 10 seeds your south carolina 10 or 7 seeds or whatever they were they can get to the final four just as easy you know Mm -hmm. look at loyola chicago and sister jean they made the final four uh two years ago so i think uh i mean and also that compared to um you know look at a, a team like uva who kind of had a the easiest path to the finals last year granted they they were the one seed but um, you know, if the ball bounces right for you, you're going to have a shot at the Final Four. And I think the college football playoff is a, you know, way more so out of reach than the, uh, the Final Four for basketball. Do you think Coach Young goes movie theater style extra butter or normal with his popcorn? Connor Dixon, I think Mike Young just says, give me your popcorn. Kind of like in movies where people walk in and they're like, I'll take one beer and not say the brand, he's going to eat it regardless. He's just looking for some popcorn, probably gets himself a placker. or No, he's definitely a toothpick guy. Gets himself a toothpick and then heads out there and coaches up uh, coaches up some ball games. Um, I'm not really – I'm not sure he asks for extra butter or less butter. What do you think, Pat? Uh, as long as he's not a kettle corn first guy, then I'm all right. You know, I'm, I, I think kettle corn is all right, but, you know, you got to get the butter and the salt. I think I think Mike Young goes extra butter. Fist bump, chest bump, elbow bump, or doing the bump dance. Today I toured my um, toured the apartment that we're moving into in Midtown, and we had a really. Uh, he was just, I was just kind of feeling his vibe. He was a nice guy. He was giving us the tour. You know, he uh, asked for the paperwork, got it submitted, and I was like, I really want to dap this guy up, but I don't know if he's like a germaphobe or anything. So I hit him with the, I hit him with like the, I stuck my elbow out, and he hit me with the elbow. Finn noggin, dude. So we did the old, uh, we did the old elbow tap. Uh, Pat, what do you, what do you, what is your uh, go-to in the workplace? I'm def- definitely team elbow bump at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- fist bump with close friends and yes. or family. Haven't given a hug in a, in a dog's age, it seems. Madison or Hannah Ann asked Connor, Phil- Connor Phillips. Bachelor Nation, how'd you know? <laughs> I gotta say, I'm not as familiar with the with the two chicks. Uh, I I watched a little bit of the last episode. All I know is that girl Barb sucks. So I'm hashtag not Team Barb. You know what? Uh, Madison's 
father, uh, his I forget his first name, but he's Coach Pruitt. He is the assistant coach for uh, Bruce Pearl's team, the Auburn men's basketball team. What? And they brought him on an episode, and it was like, what in the world is going on here? There is no way that uh, Coach Pruitt is going to let his daughter marry into uh, Barb and her crazy family, and Peter is a, uh, a Wait, wet paper bag. Peter, Peter is the biggest loser and soft serve uh, ice cream patty cake dude that I've ever seen on that show, and, and that's saying something, so I can't stand that guy. Whatever. Tyler Austin wants to know, what is all of your thoughts on the strike to stadium for the Penn State game? Also, would y'all ever want to see a blackout <laughs> in lane if we could get black unis again? Uh, I'm all over Stripe the Stadium. I think it looked very good at Notre Dame, even though going into the stadium, I was like, I don't know how this is going to look, but I'm wearing my orange because I'm sitting in the orange section. And it looked great, and I think the uh, the pregame festivities for Notre Dame were great too with the, uh, you know, they do the skydivers. So that was really cool. I think it looked great on TV. I think it looked great uh, from all the uh, picture and photographs. But this Penn State game might be a 3:30 game, so it's going to be a little different. You know, there's a ton of good games on that day. Uh, Auburn's playing Carolina. Oklahoma is playing, uh, or I'm sorry, Oregon is playing Ohio State. You got mm-hmm. Texas and LSU that day. I think U.S. Open tennis is on that day as well. All right, all right, all right, all right. Set, settle down with the t- with the tennis. It's championships going to take up a spot. <laughs> so, you know, let's just hope that game isn't a nooner at this point. I mean, I would love for it to be game day and an 8 p.m. kick on ABC, but you never know what ESPN ABC is going to do to us. So let's just hope that uh, <laughs> that it's a 3.30 or an 8 p.m. Because Penn State's a Big Ten team. Big Ten teams play noon games, sometimes 11 a.m. games. So uh, let's hope for that. As far as the blackout, uh, I don't want to wear black uniforms or black tailgating attire on a September Saturday. That sounds quite miserable. You know, if you want to do it for like a Thursday night game, we black out lane, you know, in late October versus Miami. Like, I think that'd be pretty cool, but definitely not for this game. What do you think, Bill? Um, sons of persistency, Tyler. Uh, glad you stuck with this question so we could get to it. Uh, apologies. We just had a full lunch pail here. Um, I... We haven't had the best luck with black uniforms. I don't think that orange goes great with black because you get the whole jack-o'-lantern and Halloween thing. Um, I really like the Stripe the Stadium. I think it's I, I think it's quasi-unique. I know that Iowa does it, but the orange and maroon looks awesome when we do do it. So um, I, uh, unless we were guaranteed a night game and you did something that didn't make us look like uh, jack-o'-lanterns, um, I love our uniform combo. I think it's unique, and I like sticking to that. Is there a direct correlation between playing the stick it in chant and scoring points in the red zone? This was asked by Doug E. Fresh. Doug, saw you ordered the Suns crew neck. Love it. Thanks for the shout out. Uh, I think there is. I mean, the one time they played it at the Carolina game, we got we got the points that we wanted. Am I uh, am I mistaken, Bill? I don't think you're mistaken. Uh, powers outside of our control. Um, would love to hear it. Um, but again, outside of our scope here, we're not the decision maker here, as we say in the, uh, as in the, in the sales world, in the sling and software world, but ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the sons of Saturday are back in action a little bit day later than usual. Usually we're putting out, uh, episodes on Monday, uh, and recording on Sunday, Timestamp West Coast time is Monday 
March 16th at 6.47, oh, 6.48 p.m., which would mean 9.48 p.m. EST on the East Coast. Uh, Very interesting week. Um, This episode will be a little bit different, I guess, than uh, our other episodes in terms of what we're going to talk about. Um, But first, we have a hokey haiku written by yours truly, that is I, Grayson Wimbish, and here it goes. Coronavirus. Sons of quarantine still here. Everyone wash hands. Clever and informative. Very good, clever, G. Clever and informative. Indeed, seriously, y'all wash your hands. This, uh, this coronavirus is no joke, but... We here at the Sons of Saturday are very positive, and we have a very, very, very special guest with us today, David Cunningham, baby. Welcome to the Sons of Saturday. How are you, David? What's up, guys? I appreciate you having me on. I'm good. I'm I'm in Blacksburg, actually. I'm just hanging out. Um, You know, I was at the ACC tournament uh, that obviously got canceled early, and uh, I'm hanging out with a couple guys, and... We're like, all right, I guess we're going back to Blacksburg, and I just haven't left since. So I'm just ready, enjoying this this extra week, and then ready to take these online classes. Heck yeah, man. Well, first off, a little bit about yourself. You are a current Virginia Tech student in sports journalism um, in the comm department, uh, spearheaded by one Bill Roth, a Virginia Tech legend. You are the editor-in-chief of 3304 Sports, you are a member of the U.S. Basketball Writers Association. Mm. And as of last week, you are the upcoming play-by-play announcer for the Peninsula Pilots in Hampton, Virginia. Congratulations, my friend. That is awesome. Um, so quite the resume. For those of you who don't know David Cunningham, he has been around the block a long time now, so it's very special for us to have him on Bill, speaking, you were, yeah, I was about to say, speaking yeah, around, about around yeah. around the block, um, David Cunningham, just to share with with the folks where we actually met you, um, to speak a little bit to your fame, um, it was the first time that the Sons of Saturday had actually all been together. We were all in North uh, at the North Carolina game in uh, Lot One, enjoying uh, sticking in beer. Actually, we were doing a a, a, a beer review for sticking in beer, and we saw. Um, uh, a young, a young gentleman of uh, of formidable stature, riding a bicycle with a golden mane flowing through the through the wind, and uh, we said, "Is that a bird?" And Pat said, "Is that a plane?" And Grayson says, "That is David Cunningham." And we're looking around, wondering what's going on. We're like, "David, like, there's a football game. It starts in like <laughs> in like 45 minutes. Aren't you supposed to be in the press box?" And he said, "Nah, man, I broke my glasses." I was like, "You broke your glasses." All right, well, what are you doing? He's like, I got to grab my glasses repair kit. So David Cunningham is not only a celebrity, but he is the most prepared human being, almost the most prepared human being. I, don't, I didn't know glasses repair kit existed. So you, so you went home, got the glasses prepare, uh, repair kit, and did you make it back in the booth in time for the game? I did, yes. I made it back probably because that was probably like an hour and 15 until kickoff i probably okay. made it back with like 30 minutes until kick so Oof. i had to squeeze in the media meal but everything else flowed perfectly there we go is the w- w- the media meal i always hear about this mystical magical media meal what do you guys typically get 
Oh, I mean, sometimes it's like pasta. Sometimes it's um, like barbecue stuff. Not it's bad. Good. I don't remember what it was that day, but um, I was too stressed about my glasses <laughs> and then being broken. Like I had to go home and and grab it and then come back and then fix them and then uh, try to go get food. But yeah, that was an interesting interaction. I'm just randomly passing you guys in the parking lot. It was the first. It was the first meeting ever, and certainly not the last. Um, and what a football game too! Six uh, six overtimes. Glad uh, d- glad we didn't. Uh, would have been a lot of strain on the uh, on the uh, on the eyes if uh, we weren't able to get that fixed. So glad we got that worked out. But got a bunch of great questions lined up for you. Again, super excited you're here. Um, and obviously, with the times as as, as Grayson discussed earlier, just kind of. Walk us through these last few days. I mean, you're over at the ACC, the women's ACC tournament, um, and then you go over to the men's ACC tournament and just walk us through the timeline of events. Um, obviously, there were no fans there. Um, kind of just take us from beginning to end. What was what was that like? Yeah, well, Ollie, I'll start with the women's tournament. I mean, that was a blast. Uh, obviously, there's not enough, mm-hmm. not as much media coverage around it, so it was really cool. I mean, you get to go and ask two or three questions to every coach and player if you go. Uh, there's there's not that much media, like I said, so that was a really really cool experience. But the weird thing is, now you look back at it now, there was no talk of this you know coronavirus at all i mean it was a little bit present but no oh we're gonna cancel anything it was oh let's play some basketball let's see some really good basketball and we did and then i came back i i came back to blacksburg and then left i was back in greensboro less than 48 hours later for the men's tournament and tuesday was fine but you didn't really hear anything until late tuesday evening and then you heard some stuff like oh yeah you know they might start canceling stuff and then wednesday first session goes by mostly fine until the second game of the first session i'm sitting there i'm actually on the broadcast for 3304 um alongside my guy kevin Domenico, and we're sitting there and i'm on i get a twitter notification and it's i forget who it was from but somebody had retweeted something about virginia schools going to online classes and i go oh my gosh and then the tweets just start rolling in and then uh as I board the media shuttle to get back to uh, to go back to the hotel after uh, the second game, so between sessions, that's when Tech sent out the update, and they were like, you know, Tech's going to online classes, and that was like, oh my gosh. Um, and then I come, I went and changed. I came back to the arena, watched the Notre Dame Boston College game, and that's when a lot of the stuff started to happen. You saw a lot of the leagues, a lot of people just, I was just sitting on Twitter the entire time. I was barely paying attention to the game. I mean, it was a good basketball game, but everything else was just going on, you know, around me. Um, And then the North Carolina Syracuse game comes on and that's when all the Rudy Gobert stuff happens. And, you know, Tom Hanks, it's announced that he has it and the Rudy Gobert Gobert stuff. And it's just like, I'm just sitting there and there was a guy I knew actually behind me. His name's Trent. Um, and he actually covered Mike Young when he was at Wofford because he was a student at Wofford. And I was chatting back and forth with him, and I'm just sitting there on Twitter like, this is this is insane. Um, and to think that I was there for the last ACC men's basketball game you know, of the season, uh, 
then all the talk surrounding it that night is, oh my God, are there going to be games tomorrow? Okay, are there going to be fans for the games? And they announced they're not going to be fans for the games. When we come into the arena, there's Swafford's press conference, uh, ACC Commissioner John Swafford, uh, early that morning, he's speaking to the media, and it was... Uh, you know, he goes, yeah, we're going to play the games. No fans, we're going to play the games. I'm like, this is the night after. This is the night after the NBA yeah, said that their is, season suspended. Yeah, this is Thursday, so I've, NBA suspended suspended stuff. And I wake up the next morning thinking, you know, it's got to be canceled. And I'm sitting there. I did my stand up with Shelton Moss, um, for which the, was great, by the way. Which was so great. I appreciate that, Grayson. For the thirty through four broadcast and. I was actually going to be doing the play-by-play stuff um, for that game, so I was really excited because I was like, you know, I, I'm going to be able to do play-by-play stuff for a game with no fans. I mean, this is historical. And I go, Shelton goes to get food, and I'm about to go leave the arena to get food too, and I walk by a couple of media members, and it was kind of just the whole media conglomerate just on the edge of the court, just sitting there. And they're like, oh, we're not doing this. And I check my phone, and the SEC, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the Big 12, they've all gone cancel, 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 cancel. Like they've all canceled the tournaments. And I'm looking, and I'm like, well, we got to have it, right? And and so I pull out my phone, and I'm sitting there tweeting, and I'm like, well, I guess you know, they're going to cancel a tournament. All of a sudden, Florida State comes running out of the locker room. And I'm like, there's no way they're going to warm up. And they start warming up. Clemson didn't come out. Um and then Florida State went back into the locker room, and that's when I looked at my phone, and um, Lauren Brownlow, uh, who covers for WARL down in, in North Carolina, uh, I'm standing next to her, and she goes, oh, my God, and gets the email, the ACC press release, and the statement saying that the tournament's canceled. So um, I took a picture of that. I was actually on Twitter Live at that point. And then I go on Twitter, and I see Allison Williams tweet that they're presenting Florida State the trophy. And I think every, all the media members were just, oh, my God, are they really doing this? So, you know, huge gathering on, on the – basically on the ACC logo, you know, right next to the scores table at midcourt of John Swafford and the Florida State basketball team. And he presented Florida State the ACC tournament trophy, which was really weird to be there. I mean, I, I told you guys earlier I was about five feet away from him. Uh, but it was it was a cool but weird experience. I mean – you look, I look to my right, and Jay Billis and, and Dan Schulman are over there doing stand-ups for ESPN, basically explaining this whole thing. They interview Leonard Hamilton, and I happened to get in the background of the shot, which was kind of hysterical. But th- <laughs> it was this whole thing. I'm just – it was so cool being there for it. I, obviously, I wish we played the games, but just it's so historical that I was there. I'm, I'm lucky that I was able to be there covering, but it, it was just a weird day in sports. I uh, went. I was with uh, Evan Hughes and Bill Roth, two notable uh, tech sports media kids down there. Um, and you know, we go out to get lunch and then come back, and we just took a hike back to Blacksburg and hung out in Blacksburg for the night. And I've been here since, and obviously, so much has transpired since then. But I mean, that's your basic rundown. And to think that I was right there at the ACC tournament in front of it all—it's really crazy because. You look back, and that was only on Thursday. Like, and today's Monday, or today's what Tuesday. You know, so, how how would you? So, obviously, an insane situation. How would you kind of rate the the communication between 
yourself, other media members, and the actual ACC, would you say that you were getting more information on what was likely to happen or what was going on from your peers or actual people running the event that was being put on? I would say probably the other media members. I turn and look, David Teal standing right there. I go, David, what do you think? He's like, oh, they've got to cancel it. Everybody else is canceled. I turn and talk to a couple other media members, um, some who I don't even know I've never even seen before. And we're all just standing there on the edge of the court, and it's like they're, they've got to cancel, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody kind of nods, and it's like, yeah, they're going to cancel. So I think especially since Swafford announced two hours before that that they were going to play the, the tournament, they were going to play that day or at least the first session. And then less than two hours later, they're canceling a tournament – it was a lot of the media just going, all right, well, the other four made two or four of the major other conferences have, have canceled their tournaments. So the ACC's got to cancel. And eventually, you know, I, I'm sitting there on Twitter live and the clock, shot clock stops and, and the time stops on the clock. And it's just, it just happened. You know, like, like we knew it was coming, but it was just really weird just to see it unfold in person. But I wish the ACC communicated it better, but obviously there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. You know, they have to tell the teams and uh, just try to tell TV and stuff first. But I mean, it, I I would say definitely I got more information from, uh, from the rest of the media because everybody else assumed the same kind of thing. David, I love the, uh, I love the shout out to Evan Hughes and Bill Roth as media kids. I think that's great. I'm not sure Bill would appreciate kids. I think that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm messing with you, man. Um, I think it's awesome that you guys all caravan down there. I'm sure that those, those stories are the best. So wait, did you guys all ride back together? How did that work? And now that you're, you said you're back in Blacksburg. Are your plans to, to stay in Blacksburg, or what's, what's the kind of quarantine looking like right now? Yeah, I should have called Bill Media Legend. There you I, go. I for that, Bill, yeah. I'm really uh, so was, there, so there were six of us that went down for 33 or 4. Myself, Shelton Moss, Kevin DiNomenico, Jake Lyman, Liam Smith, and Evan Hughes. And the what a group. Went, what a gang. What a yeah, gang. Oh, great. And then Bill's there, too. Uh, so we had a really, really good time. Uh, I, Shelton and Liam and I roomed together, and then Kevin, Jake, and Evan roomed together uh, in the media hotel. That was, it was an awesome experience. Uh, we had, Kevin came down late Tuesday night, or no, early Wednesday morning, excuse me, because he was calling the Virginia Tech baseball game that Tuesday in Blacksburg. So he had to be here, and he didn't, he didn't feel like driving down late Tuesday night. So he missed those games. So we actually had three cars um so shelton rode with me and liam and evan rode together and kevin and jake rode together on the way back but it was fun we were on the phone with each other for most of the time so it was <laughs> it was a pretty cool experience but just sitting there talking about it and the talking about the coronavirus got got really old really fast but now i'm h- hanging out in blacksburg like you said grayson and i don't really know uh i talked to my parents they were, you know, I'm from the 757. I'm from uh, Yorktown, right around Newport News and Williamsburg. There's actually like 10 confirmed cases, or at least there were today in Williamsburg. So it's a lot more likely for me to guess to get it if I go home. Uh, my parents were kind of like, just just stay in Blacksburg, just hang out there, you'll be fine. So that's what I'm planning on doing. One of my roommates is here, uh, so I am just going to hang out. Uh, I've got a couple things to do, but other than that, it just 
hooking up the PS3 and playing some NCAA basketball and football. Heck and yeah, uh, man. What is the what is the what what is the lowdown on town? How empty is it? How are people acting? What are the rules? Uh, like what what's going on in uh what's going on at home? Uh as of now, it's it's I mean it's quiet. Obviously there's not that many students, but I think the students are slowly starting to come back. Obviously everybody went everybody got back from spring break. I actually went to Sharky's for dinner today. There were Shout out. there were probably like <laughs> 30-ish people in the place. You know, it wasn't completely empty, but it was a little close to half full. Um, I I went to Five Guys in Christiansburg yesterday for dinner. Uh, Two burgers back-to-back, but both really, really good quality burgers. There you Uh, go. There was nobody in Five Guys yesterday. It was also like 7.45 at night, so I can't blame people for not going to five guys but it's interesting there's not that many people here as far as i know there's you know it's same old they're, they're telling people if you can try to stay away from blacksburg you know try to stay away but there's so many kids and it's so hard to do i mean everybody especially the kids that live off campus uh want to come back and at least get their stuff mm-hmm. uh, but besides that i think it's business as normal uh campus isn't really open right now i think it's technically like still on spring break hours but uh it, there's not that many people around you know you see the occasional people walking around but i mean the parking lots are mostly empty so uh you know it, it's what you would expect like f- for blacksburg over spring break i think i think the most sad thing about this david is uh a friend of the podcast, Courtney Adams, brought to Bill and I's attention today. She said, guys, I really wish I could get Sharky's green beer for St. Patrick's Day. And to be honest with you, I don't know if they're going to they're gonna do that given the circumstances. But, man, do I, do I miss that green beer on St. Patty's Day. So shout out to the guys at Sharky's. If they are still open, uh, go get you uh, some green beer. I hope that they do that tomorrow. I really, really do. Uh, even even with the coronavirus going around, I guess they're trying to avoid gatherings. But I don't know. But anyway, uh, Bill, you wanted to talk uh, about some breaking Virginia Tech news with, with David because David actually reported on it uh, a little bit earlier today. So I'll go ahead and let you take the floor there. Sure. So uh, breaking news from both basketball programs uh, – Sad news here as uh, two of the um, of the kind of key players for both teams will start uh, with the ladies after an incredible year from uh, the Virginia Tech women's basketball program. It's a shame that we didn't get to see them play in the women's tournament, but um, uh, an incredible season nonetheless. But Dara Mabry will be transferring uh, out of Virginia Tech after this year. What uh, what was your immediate reaction and um, what do you think about that, uh, Decona? Well, obviously, we're going to talk about it in a second. But after what happened with the men's team this morning, I was this one was more surprising to me. Uh, Dara has been a key player. She started yep. all 64 games for Kenny Brooks and company since uh, she came to Blacksburg. She's only a sophomore. And last year, she was a very integral piece of this team. She was also this year. But with Taja Cole coming in this year, she kind of slid to the two-guard spot. So she wasn't playing the normal point guard role. Uh, she had to adjust 
early in the season and she didn't have the ball in her hands as much, but the team flowed a lot better and she still had a pretty big role. Uh, but my immediate reaction was, wow, like I, I texted my dad and, and it, she's my mom's favorite player to watch. And my mom was like, you know, I'm really, really sad, you know, that that really stinks. And my first reaction is, is she going to go to Notre Dame? And I remember, I don't think Notre Dame recruited her out of high school. She had two sisters that were there, but I don't believe they recruited her. Uh, but obviously, she's a very high-quality player. She made all-ACC freshman team last year. Uh, but, you know, when you look at the six key players for Virginia Tech, uh, the five starters and then Trini Baptiste, who was ACC sixth player of the year this year, Dara probably had... Uh, the least production, I would say, you know, she still had a really, really good season, but they relied on a lot of other pieces. Asia Shepard stepped into her role. Uh, Taja Cole was one of the best point guards, not just in the ACC, but in the country. Lydia Rivers, she's amazing on the boards. Liz Kitley, obviously ACC freshman of the year. That speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. And then got Trini Baptiste off the bench. Like I said, ACC player of the year. So you've got so many other pieces. And I think next year, uh, Kenny Brooks is a really good recruiting class again after this year coming back in. And I think it's just Dara couldn't really fit into a point guard role this season with Taj. And, you know, maybe she just wants to get out of there. I'm not, you know, obviously I haven't talked to her. Um, I, I don't know anything, any specifics. This is just me guessing. But um, Tech's going to miss her. I mean, she was a big, sure. big part. She phenomenal three-point shooter, just a shooter in general. She gets to the hoop like nobody else. Uh, but I, I think this is a bigger surprise than what we're going to talk about next. I, I was very taken aback after thinking about it a little bit more. Maybe it makes a little bit more sense if she wasn't going to get as much playing time, but she's still a really, really important part to the team these last two years. And I think the more shocking part was that she could have left after last season, you know, when Tech didn't make the NCAA tournament. But Tech was going to make the NCAA tournament this season. This was a very successful season for Kenny Brooks and company. First time in 14 years since 2006 that they would have been in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, and now she leaves. So that was probably the most surprising part to me. Well said, uh, well said, Deacon. And, and, and it, it leads us into this next point in where um, Landers Nolly will be transferring out of Virginia Tech where – to be completely honest, if you told me that he was going to depart after this season, I would have understood that and said I saw that coming. But to see him look to transfer, um, supposedly due to a similar situation where he's playing a, a position he's maybe a little bit uncomfortable in, um, you know, what does this mean for the team moving forward? And what do you think sparked this decision? Yeah, well, if you guys remember, there was an article um, written by the Roanoke Times in late yep. January where Landers Nolly's dad said that you know if things continue to go as he's on pace for right now, he's going to be going pro at the end of this year. And Jeff Goodman tweeted earlier that Nolly's already heard from Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Mississippi State, Alabama, Wichita State, Florida, and Minnesota. And that's just to name a few. Uh, I, this one was not as surprising. We had all heard all season, you know, obviously just by watching Landers, you know how much talent this guy has. I think the biggest thing to me was that, like you said, he's not going pro. He said he's entering the transfer portal. 
uh, I think a lot of people's thought was he's either going to go uh, try to go to the draft or he's going to go overseas and try to play somewhere. But the fact that he's just transferring uh, is a pretty interesting decision to me. I think the team is going to be in our right shape. I think if you read Jeff Goodman's tweet, Goodman said that from what he had heard that Nolan wants to play more on the wing. The crazy thing is when you look at Mike Young's team from this year, out of the starters, Landers Nolly was, besides the game, the two games that John Ogiaco started, Landers Nolly was the tallest player on the floor. He's got an inch at least, maybe two inches on P.J. Horn. And he was trying to play a wing. And that's tough for Mike Young because he's the tallest player on your team. You've got to have him in the paint. And Nolly doesn't want to play out there. Nolly wants to be more of a, uh, of a two guard instead of a stretch four like he should be. Um, but I think it's interesting because it opens up another scholarship spot for the team this upcoming year. Mike Young can grab somebody out of the transfer portal, uh, grab a grad transfer, or just pick up another recruit. I mean, we saw him do it so well when he was hired in April. So I think it really opens up other opportunities for the other role players on the team. This was a team this year that was built uh, by not just Landers Nolly scoring the ball, but guys like Jalen Cohn. Hunter Couture, Isaiah Wilkins, Don Giacco even coming into his role. And Tyrese Radford, who one of the biggest surprises I would say of this season, how talented this redshirt sophomore from Baton Rouge is, uh, especially since he did not play when uh, Mr. Brent Williams was here. So uh, I think it's going to be pretty good for the team. Obviously, you don't ever want to lose that much talent in Landers Nolly. I mean, he he's one of the most talented kids that's ever come to Virginia Tech, but uh the fact that he was one of the least efficient players on the team, and you probably, you probably have seen this all over social media, that he had one of the highest usage rates in the ACC and in the country and had one of the least efficient rates is pretty interesting. So giving the ball now to more – spreading it out more to guys like Tyrese Radford, Hunter Couture, uh, and coming in next year, Darius Maddox and Joe Bamisil, it's going to make things a lot more interesting. I think – Mike Young's got the program in really good hands, and it'll be interesting to see the initial reaction of how it shakes everything up, uh, especially with, uh, I guess, no initial or no go-to scoring option now. You know, in tough situations, Landers was the go-to guy. Who becomes that guy now, we'll see, but obviously we've got a lot of time until the season kicks back off in November. Shifting gears to the journalism world, you are a current Virginia Tech student in the sports analytics major um and you were actually one of the first original one of the og supporters of the sons of saturday when did you first start listening to like when did you first hear about us because we're always really really curious about that like when did when did you be like hey let me let me check these guys out well when when did when did that happen um let me think I remember I had connected with Billy on Twitter. Billy was the first person I followed out of U3. And then Classic. I connected Classic. with our guy Evan Hughes, and Evan was like, oh, my God, my guy Grayson's on this podcast. You know, and, and Evan talks about you so so hot, so highly of you. And uh, I was like, all right, I'll give Grayson a follow. And then Pat, um, I heard about Pat through, I mean, everybody knows Pat around tech. You know, everybody Pat. knows that Every, guy. Everybody <laughs> knows Pat. It's uh, ridiculous. But, so true, yeah, man. So, but then I, I ended up following Pat, and then you guys were like, oh, my God, you know, we're getting this together. And I'm like, okay. So I remember I listened to your first podcast. Like I, I listened to the very first one, um, 
I think I, I followed the other two on Twitter and I was waiting for a follow back from you, Grace, and it took you a while. Damn, uh, G. Damn. I, shots fired, man. I Damn. Just that. I, 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 I listened to Saturday from the beginning. I mean, between Grace and between your and Pat's knowledge of tech from being a hokey your entire lives, which is exactly how I grew up. I had to. Both my parents went to Tech. I grew up a Hokie. My parents took me to the national championship game when I was six months old. Whoa! Uh, that is really, awesome. I probably shouldn't skip over that so fast, but <laughs> and then and then Billy. I mean, you, the football knowledge playing playing at Virginia Tech. The three of you guys, you just can't beat it. So uh, I was like, well, I got to hop on this and, and listen to these guys right away. So I, I love listening to you guys, uh, especially during football season. I mean, going on these road trips. I listened to you guys. I think I listened to two of your podcasts on the way when I drove to Notre Dame. Uh, and then I listened to at least one when I was driving to Charlottesville. Uh, we won't talk about that. But No. No, we don't need to talk about that. But, I, yeah, I've been, I like to say I like to consider my, myself an OG supporter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. You're one of the first ones. And I'm sorry, dog. I'm sorry about the follow back train, dude. That's my, that's my bad, bro. Like – I, I really, I'm, I'm very apologetic about that. So I follow you now. You're the homie. So anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, I do want to talk about your experience in the Virginia Tech sports journalism program because I came through the comm school as well. I, I did multimedia journalism. But sports analytics, that wasn't offered until my senior year. So how has your experience been in that program how has it evolved since your freshman year and how has it molded you as a broadcaster and a writer i know that's a lot coming at right there uh yeah just kind of kind of and and i'll say this bill roth would kill me for this but i'm gonna do it could you talk about that david yeah bill would uh blow an air horn uh, <laughs> that, that's what we do at our 3304 meetings yeah, I to look back at it. I mean, when I found out that Bill Roth, the Bill Roth, the legendary voice of the Hokies, was going to be a professor at Virginia Tech, me being a lifetime Hokie, I said I already wanted to go. Now I want to go even more. He's going to be teaching in this sports media analytics program. It was a concentration when I first started, uh, and to see how much it's evolved, how much traction it's gained. You know, obviously the the regular multimedia journalism courses like media writing and uh, uh, multimedia reporting, Th those classes uh, really, really have helped me. Um, you know, Dale Jenkins, shout out the GOAT. Uh, his, his, his media writing classes, man, that shaped me into such a great writer. And then, you know, Bill has, I don't know if you had the pleasure of taking Bill's sports journalism class, but I did. Uh, Bill's, uh, that class really helped me too, especially there were some assignments where, you know, Bill made it so you had to, as 30 minutes after a game ends, you have to submit it. And if you don't submit it within 30 minutes, you're toast. Uh, I think setting those deadlines and that that really, really helped. And then Bill has some really cool topics in communication, topics in sports journalism classes. I mean, I'm currently in the 3304 play-by-play broadcasting class, and I really wish this was not the semester I took it because and then I'd actually be able to go to class and get that play-by-play -play experience. But but other than that, I mean, it's been really, really cool. You just sit there in class and Bill or the GOAT, Evan Hughes, they'll plug in the PS4 and have 2K or have 
NBA or have a NFL Madden, I should say, uh, on. We never even got to like stuff like FIFA, but have it up on the big screen, and you just sit there. With, you have game notes. You come with your own board, and you sit there with your your phone or broadcast equipment, and you just sit there with a partner and do play by play for the game. Like it's an unreal experience. Something you know, people other people don't really get at their schools and. Uh, Bill's got a sports center class that's replacing DNR that's coming what coming uh, uh, in the fall I believe that's what that's big so, news so we won't have to take DNR we will get to take this sports center class so it's I mean this is gonna be huge oh my gosh man that's insane I took so what David is talking about everybody DNR stands for digital <laughs> newsroom um, that is one of the senior capstone classes that you take as a multimedia journalism major it is a three-hour class monday wednesday and sometimes friday where basically your entire class is you're in the newsroom producing a television show whether that be a whether that be a talk show whether that just be a regular news rundown so the fact that this new sports center class where it's literally just going to be all about sports is being offered that is a monumental step for uh, the journalism department at Virginia Tech. That's I had not heard about that, David. That's breaking news, at least to at least to me on this podcast. So, yeah, that's awesome. Breaking news from from the Department of Journalism. I was just thinking, I didn't really know a lot about that department. And, and Grayson, we're going to get into kind of uh, the whole Landon Watson stuff later. But um, super exciting news coming out of uh, coming out of that department. Um, question for you is, is is something that was really interesting to me is you're constantly rubbing shoulders with you know Jay Billis and these other personalities and, and ACC network and, and in your travels um, and we love following them I remember me and Pat were watching your videos um, from Notre Dame weekend and traveling and going to all these games you know are, are you having conversations or bumping shoulders with some of these different media personalities are you taking some uh, plays out of their playbook or watching how they interact. What what do you learn when you go on these road trips and, and, and spend time with these other mainstays or folks that have been around um, basketball or sports journalism forever, like um, David Teal or, or some of these other, uh, these other folks? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is you just see how these guys carry themselves. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can go to Castle or you can go to Lane and you walk in and I mean, I live five minutes away, so it's an easy commute for me. But the fact that these guys drove halfway across the state or however far to be here and cover this game. But then you go to somewhere like JPJ or when I went up to to Notre Dame or even to the ACC tournament where, I mean, that was the most media I've ever seen in one place, uh, especially for such a big occasion. Do you just see how these journalists carry themselves no matter what. It's cool because John Laser has been at every single game, which is cool because uh, Laser is one of the coolest guys I've ever met. He's giving some great advice. But um, just you, you see how these guys carry themselves, how professional they are all the time, but also how they have lives of their own too and how they like balance that stuff. I think it's really important as somebody who wants to be that someday just to understand that – you know, some guys have to for for emergency press conferences or for for whatever it might be. You know, a, a men's basketball game against UVA on a Wednesday afternoon. That some of the guys are driving from a seven five seven or from Richmond you know, halfway across the state for 
a really important basketball game or for an important football game. Just the way that they carry themselves and how they're professional all the time, honestly, is the biggest thing. And I try to ask as many questions as I can. I grew up from the 7x7 reading David Teal and Normwood. And those are two of the guys where, uh, Grayson, I know you remember uh, Dale Jenkins' media writing where you had to interview, you had to do a Q&A with somebody. You know, I, I'm sure you remember that. You know, it's funny, man. I actually never had Professor Jenkins as my media writing professor. I had uh, Professor Neff Henderson. Uh, I think it was her first semester teaching it. But I've heard plenty of stories about Professor Jenkins and the what he'll he'll give you an F if you yeah. uh, if you spell somebody's name wrong, and that just taught you how to be such a better writer because it basically had to be completely foolproof and error free. Um, but unfortunately I was never, I never had the luxury of taking his class. Yeah. Well, I, the biggest thing I probably got out of that class was the Q and a assignment, which was, which was huge. So like I said, being from the seven, five, seven, it's the weekend. It, I, I'm a sophomore. Uh, and this is, ooh, so this is last football season. It's the first, first home football game weekend. Right after we had beaten Florida State, everybody remembers that weekend. Really good time. So after Labor Day, William and Mary's coming to town, and I'm like, all right, you know who's going to be here? David Teal. Let me email him and see if I can set up an interview with him. I set up an interview with him. We we talked for probably an hour and a half, two hours at Newman Library on that Friday night before the William and Mary game. He was so gracious uh, to give me his time. I really, really appreciated it. But it gave me a lot of insight into the the industry. Uh, and then since then, he gave me his phone number, uh, and I've made connections with him and guys like Norm, uh, talking with guys like Mike Barber and Aaron McFarling, uh, the local guys, but then also making connections with the reporters that just cover the ACC in general is really cool. I tried to interact with as many of those guys as possible down at uh, – the ACC tournament always helps when you got Bill Roth to sit there and go, Hey, here's this guy and, and introduce you. It's really, really nice, but it's so cool to, especially at the AC tournament to be in that place where all media covering all 15 schools in the ACC are the ones that are still in the tournament, uh, especially on Thursday. I mean, there were still seven games to go. There were eight teams playing, supposed to be playing on Thursday. So the fact that everybody from the state of Virginia to the state of North Carolina, uh, everybody covering all those teams is there in one place at a time. And just to hear the, the intelligent questions that are asked and sometimes the non-intelligent questions like, you know, say, talk about this. Uh, Bill Roth would, would kill somebody if he heard that. But it, it's so cool to be in that atmosphere and experience it firsthand because it, it's not the same if you know you just hear stories about it. So so my question here, and listening to you to talk about this program um... – it's just awesome. So I'm ha- I'm I'm having fun just sitting back and listening to you go to you two go back and forth. But uh, as as a lot of people know, um, Landon Watson, a, a highly sought after recruit, ended up visiting Virginia Tech uh, and got a really up close view of the sports journalism school. And 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 David, we were just talking about this um, before we pressed record. Um, there is actually the the sports journalism department actually actively recruits people for the sports journalism department can you dive into that and just talk about that entire that entire world yeah so landon watson was one of the first big ones uh i remember evan 
and my guy Evan Hughes getting a text uh, from Bill, and he's like, "Look, man, like the football recruiter, the football guys, they they asked us if we can uh, if we can show around this this football recruit. You know, he's from Texas, uh, and he he's visiting, but he's really interested in the sports journalism program. You know, and and Bill, this is Bill Roth." texting Hughes and Evan shows me the text and he's just like, you know, this would be sweet. I don't really know what to expect. And I'm like, well, I just know you guys are going to go kill it. Like, let's go show off this program. And after talking with Evan, after Landon Watson's visit, you know, Landon loved the program. Uh, Evan said the kid was a natural and just that, that whole process that, you know, tech is recruiting kids tech sideline when they wrote an article about it they put evan's picture with landon as the face of the article and basically said you know these x x and x and x tools are recruiting against evan hughes and virginia tech for this kid which i think is great (laughs) for our program but it's not just the football players like you said uh this this kid uh aiden blank uh, he's from connecticut really really good broadcaster i mean this is this is one of the greatest young broadcasters i've ever seen this is a kid him to come down yeah he's a sophomore in high school junior oh my my goodness um sorry aiden if you're listening to this and i don't remember what what class you're in but (laughs) we got him to come to to visit and we showed him around lane we showed him around castle he got to come hop on our women's basketball broadcast that thursday night and then saturday this was back in mid-February when Tech played Pitt, and he got to see a Tech victory against Pitt. He got to see Castle completely full, which was awesome. But our entire 3304 group, sports media kids, hung out with him all weekend. It was an awesome time. Just that kind of stuff. If you want to go into sports journalism, Virginia Tech's the place to be right now. We're trying to recruit as many kids as possible to, to come to our program. But I think it's cool that I had people come before me like like Grayson, where the program wasn't really you know a big thing until now, and you look at it now. I'm gonna look back in ten years. I feel like, and there's gonna be a, a ton. I mean, it's just gonna be tech is just full of sports. Tech's gonna be known for their sports journalism program in like ten years or something. And to be one of the building blocks of this is gonna be really really cool. David, I, I couldn't agree more, man. And when I was there, it was still it was still budding. And I mean, I don't want to take credit for making it what it was or anything like that. Because I mean, <laughs> like, I'm kidding. No, it's really it's you guys who have made it. The David Cunningham's, Evan Hughes, the Shelton Mosses, uh, the Jake Lyman's. Uh, you guys have absolutely crushed it. And and shout out to shout out to Riley Wyant. Shout out to Logan Ross. Uh, the the young broadcasters, Logan's in West Virginia, Riley's down in Charlottesville now. It's insane how large and how much the program has grown. So I'm so proud to have been a part of it. Um, but you, man, you just got a job calling play-by-play for the Peninsula Pilots this summer. First off, congratulations. And what was that application process like? You know, what exactly, other than play-by-play, are your are going to be your day-to-day responsibilities? Yeah, I, I appreciate it, Grayson. Thanks a lot. Um, how I So the pilots are from Hampton, which is about 15 minutes from my house. So I grew up actually going to pilots games, which was pretty interesting. Uh, 
the guy who was the broadcaster before me, his name's Killian McClatchy. He went to Arizona State, and me being the, per- the connecting person I am, I try to connect with journalists and broadcasters from all over. And so I, I connected with him um, when he was the voice of the pilots for two years, last two years. Uh, he's now at Charleston Southern. He's a voice of uh, all the Charleston Southern basketball games and, and stuff, such like that. Uh, he actually reached out to me and said, look, uh, you know, I've listened to some of your tapes, you know, you sound really, really good. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure the pins, the pilots would love to have you. They're looking for somebody. So he set me up with the, this guy, Alex, he's the general manager, uh, Alex and I had phone tag for a little bit. And then, uh, we had some really good conversation, uh, and Alex offered me the job, but it was awesome. And, and it's weird because nobody really knows me for my play-by-play stuff. You know, I'm on the radio with WVT, the student uh, radio station at Virginia Tech. I write for the Tech Lunch Pail. Um, you know, I do stuff for 3304. But and, and then I'm obviously, I obviously uh, tweet a lot about tech sports. Uh, people know me as the hashtag Hokies guy, which I think is really funny. Uh, but the fact that I'm going into play-by-play, I think, I think a lot of people were surprised, um, or, or I don't know. I, I'm excited because. I'm not really sure what I want to do when I get out of school, but it's a different avenue. You know, obviously I won't know what I like and won't dislike until I try it. So I figured, you know, why not go and do it this summer? It's close to home. I'll be able to live at home for the summer. It's a great organization. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I grew up going to games there. I've had a couple friends that have interned for them. Uh, I have a great relationship already with the general manager and I got to speak to him and the owner. So yeah, I love it. Um, I'm really, really excited. Hopefully uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus does not push it back. Uh, fingers crossed. I- I'm really hoping that none of the summer league baseball uh, seasons get pushed back, but I'm really excited about this opportunity. And it- it's all, you know, thanks to 3304 and honestly just making these connections. That's incredible, man. I'm, I could not be more stoked. And, and I admire your the way you talked about how you reached out to David Teal, man. Like, that's how you got to do it. That's half the battle is making those connections. And the fact that you're tight with the GM, that that's so great to hear. I, I think, man, you got a really, really bright future. And uh, let me tell you, as somebody who's been there, dude, after – after I graduated from tech, I didn't know really what I wanted to do. I knew I always wanted to work in entertainment. And I can attest to the fact of you gotta, you just got to kind of do things. And you find out what you like. And you find out what you don't. And you find your avenue. And, and you're going to find that avenue. And I think you're going to do a great job uh, calling play-by-play. So I guess going off of that, you have one year at tech left and given this whole COVID-19 thing, it doesn't look like you're going to be going back to any physical classes this semester, but next year, what are your long-term goals? What do you hope to accomplish before you graduate both professionally and leisurely at Virginia tech? Is there something on that hokey bucket list you haven't done yet? Well, first of all, I'm not 21, so I've never been downtown. So I turned 21 in June. You guys are going to have to come back and visit. Uh, Absolutely. Rails on the suns, no doubt about it. Long Island's on the suns, no doubt about it. Long Island. Yeah, wait, let's do that again, Bill. (laughs) No, I'll just cut it. I got it. That's why I did it again right after. 
Long Islands are on the Suns, David Cunningham. That is breaking news to me. I did not know that. Yeah, I'm excited, though. I, obviously not 21. Both my roommates are 21, so it sucks. There have been many times before spring break where they both turned 21 in February, and I had to go downtown and pick them up. Uh, or I was kind enough to, and it stinks that I'm not 21, but I will turn 21 this summer, so I'm very excited about that to finally experience downtown Virginia Tech for hopefully what is a full year without online classes or anything. Uh, other goals... I don't know, just kind of enjoy my senior year. Hopefully there's not something like this. Obviously neither of you guys had to deal with something like this that messed you up. Uh, I mean, I'm going to graduate on time. I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to enjoy it while I can. I've always been somebody who – I've always prided myself on trying to go and do everything I possibly can while I'm in college, make as many connections as I can, use those connections uh, to the best of my ability, You know, reach out to those people because – especially in the journalism world, people view you completely different when you are actually like looking for a job than just a college kid asking for advice. They're more willing to give you that advice when you're you know, in college versus somebody who potentially could be competing with them for that job. So just trying to reach out and, and connect with people. I don't really have any specific goals you know, like that, but um, I don't know, maybe get verified. That'd be cool. Heck yeah. You and uh, you, you and me, and us both. I'm. I've been seeking that. I've actually gone online and applied multiple times for the blue check mark on uh, on uh, on Twitter and gotten denied. So maybe one day, hopefully one day, I'll, I'll live vicariously through you. It's coming. If David gets the blue check mark, then we we got to get that blue check mark next to SOS. It's got to happen. We'll we'll see. We'll see D Cunt at the top with the blue check mark. I hope. We'll see. Um, <laughs> Bill, I know you have some rapid fire questions for D Cunnup before we uh, move on to shout outs. So let's let's hear those, man. So as we do with all of our guests, rapid fire questions. You don't know what they are, you don't know what we're gonna ask, but we're just saying the first thing that comes to your mind, let us know and uh and we will see. So the first one actually is a quasi we lumped it into uh, rapid fire but give us just a few of your favorite virginia tech twitter accounts don't give us your homies you can give us your homies during shout outs if your homies are actually on the list feel free to throw them in but just a few of your favorite virginia tech twitter follows uh definitely diablo fan account boom uh, my guy uh, i won't say his name but <laughs> we're really really good friends uh, he used to be carrie blackshear the third and i helped him grow that uh he is awesome he has Probably the best memes at Virginia Tech. Yes. Second best guy with memes is Dan Steinbeck, Hokey Dan. This dude is hilarious. Check him out at DNRX, and then I think there's a number or something at the end of his username. Uh, this dude's funny too. And then, honestly, just the the accounts that follow not Virginia Tech football, but Virginia Tech basketball nonstop. Like the accounts that are always memeing, the accounts that are always keeping up with it because. I know you guys remember from when you were in school, at the beginning of the Buzz Williams era, nobody cared about Virginia Tech basketball. Like, you walk into the games, and there'd be, like, maybe 200 people in the stands. You walk into the games this year after Tech's lost, like, four games in a row, and it's completely packed, sold out. Like, those, it's completely changed, and I think my biggest my favorite accounts are the ones that support the men's basketball team and the women's basketball team through and through. I think that's completely fair. Okay. I think this is a, a 
fair question for me to ask. What is the favorite class that you've taken in the sports journalism and or sports analytics department? Definitely sports journalism. Uh, as somebody who wants to be a writer, like I talked about earlier, there are a lot of different uh, challenges Bill's class puts on you. Having to complete assignments 30 minutes after the game's over, having to have that article written, uh, going out and having to interview somebody. Uh, it's just a really cool class. I mean, it really is sports journalism. It teaches you a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's Bill's, Bill's class, so those classes are always really entertaining. Favorite dining hall at Virginia Tech? Uh, usually I say West End. I'm going to go I'm going to go with West End. I was a big West End guy. I lived in Pritchard my freshman year. I was a big West End guy. Uh, shout out to Turner. Turner's pretty good too, although it's a little bit more expensive. We don't go there as much, but I always love West End uh, chicken Caesar wraps. That was my go to yeah, freshman good. year. I try to go there as much as possible when I'm on campus, but it is kind of expensive. David, would you agree with the notion that you're conditioned to a dining hall based on where you live your freshman year? Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on where you live. One of my best friends, he lived in Maine, Eggleston, and his favorite dining hall is Owens. Let's go. I didn't go to Owens as much because I lived in Pritchard, and it was kind of a hike. He didn't go to West End as much because it was a hike, but I love West End. I think it, a lot of it, yeah, it depends on where you are on campus, where you live freshman year. Because you know, if you're living all the way on the other side, like over in Miles Hall per se, shout out Evan Hughes who lived over there. Uh, those are my few experiences in Miles Hall. You're not going to go all the way to West End. It just doesn't make any sense. You're going to go to what, Hokie Grill. You had that happy medium living in Pritchard where it's like you could go to Owens, but you could also go to D2DX or West End. You're right there smack dab in the middle. So I think you kind of had the best of both worlds. Talk to me about your favorite late night food in Blacksburg. Off campus. Off campus. Obviously, it's either Benny's or Cookout. Benny's or Cookout. it, It rotates. Sometimes it'll be cookout. Sometimes it'll be Benny's. Kind of depends on what the weather is. Depends on what day of the week it is. Uh, I'd probably go to both of those places way too much. But uh, I love Benny's. You can't go wrong with Benny's, as those who have lived in Blacksburg know. And then cookout. Cookout's undefeated for late night food. Dude, I miss it so much living on the West Coast. Oh, my gosh. There's those cheer wine floats, man. You just cannot beat that. Not with a stick. Best tech sporting memory as a student and as a child. You can't say the national championship, but I got to say that is a very cool, very cool tidbit. Six uh, six months old. You have to tweet a, a picture uh, at us of that if there is any existing photo evidence. The fact that you have that on me, David, bothers me so much. The fact that you've seen, technically, you've seen Virginia Tech play for a national championship. Yeah. That that, that eats at my skin. That really Let me, sir, let me talk to my parents and see if they can make sure. I, I do have a story from that. So I was in – I was not in a baby carrier. But, you know, obviously in, in today's time, you probably have to buy a ticket for myself. I mean, I was six months old. Well, my parents didn't buy a ticket for me. They're walking in with their some of their friends into the game, and ticket lady stops and is like, you know, where is he going to sit? And I'm, I'm six months old. I'm going to sit on my parents' lap, obviously. You know, they're going to pass me around like I'm a drink. Uh, and 
you know, they're they're talking to the, the ticket people up there, and my dad, and my mom and dad's friends behind them, just start complaining and just shove them through the gates, and they all just. This is the national championship game. And they just shoved me through the gates into the national championship game. That wouldn't fly today. (laughs) That would not not fly today. No shot. Favorite Virginia Tech memory when I was younger. uh, For football, it would probably be, uh, I can't remember what year, and I'm going to hate myself, I can't remember what year, but Virginia Tech beating Florida State in the ACC championship game. Like, 09, 2009, 2010? 2010. Tyrod, when Tyrod danced into the end zone. Uh, it was in- incredible. Uh, I know you were at the Nebraska game. I, unfortunately, was not. I watched that on television. Uh, for basketball, it would definitely be uh, Virginia Tech upsetting Duke in Cameron in 2007. Uh that was the teabag Paulus game. Deron Washington, favorite Hokie of all time. One of my favorite memories. And then as a student, definitely seeing Tech play in person in a Sweet 16 game in the NCAA tournament. That That's by far. Gotcha. Those are all three great memories. And Cunningham, I can I – can, uh... I can attest. I think I would sell one of my kidneys to get an original number 13 game-worn Duran Washington jersey. That is one of my most coveted Virginia Tech sports memorabilia items, and I, ju- I just don't think they exist anymore. So I, uh, I great, great picks across the board there. Yeah, I wish now- I— I wish I could get one of those. Uh, my favorite, like that's why I wore number thirteen playing sports all through high school. Uh, he was my my go to guy. I would probably like if you told me like I had to like cut off a leg or cut off an arm to get a Deron Washington jersey. I would really consider doing it. Guys, this has been so much fun, uh, David. Thank you so much for coming on today. We at the end of every episode, David, you know how it goes. We do shout outs. You as the guest, we're gonna let you start today. Do you have any shout outs? Anyone you wanna anyone you wanna call out, mention name drop. Now's the time to do it, man. Floor is yours. Uh I guess name drop the uh the thirty four kids. Uh what a program that is. Like I said earlier, if you wanna be a sports journalist, aspiring sports journalist, come to Virginia Tech. That is the place. Uh my guys, Evan Hughes. Uh, and then some of my other friends, Ryan Jordan and Eric Platt, the roommates, uh, Will Copeland, Shelton Moss, uh, two of my other really good friends. And then my guy, Liam Smith, what a God that guy is on the camera. Uh, besides that, uh, shout out Bill Roth for taking us down to the ACC tournament, showing us the ropes and introducing us to the gazillion people that were down there. Bill floor is yours, man. Shout out to Wayne Kent for for wearing the Sons of Saturday shirt in Greensboro at the ACC tournament. That was awesome. The shirt designed by Grayson Wimbish himself. Excellent job, Grayson, on designing the shirt. Uh, shout out to Beth Barnes for designing the latest drop of on the uh, Sons of Saturday. She created a beautiful hoodie. Make sure you all check that out. Um, and shout out all of you rocking the Suns gear. Love to see it. Love to see it. Love to see it. Um, as Grayson and I talked about earlier, shout out to all of the seniors, both uh, in sports and not in sports. Um, my, 
my heart truthfully, truthfully goes out to you it, to have either your career or your time as a student cut short, um, kind of out of the blue. That's a, I, I hate that for you. Um, so definitely thinking about y'all. And, and last thing here is for David Cunningham, you have joined incredible um, company here in the, I'm very, very um, sparingly hand out Twitter notifications being turned on. You have joined the ranks of Adam Schefter, Wojanowski, and the podfather himself, Bill Simmons, on the uh, Twitter notifications train. So uh, with great power comes great responsibility. I hope you take it seriously. Um, but we are really excited. Uh, I think you have a very, very bright future, uh, great head on your shoulders, and you really do do an excellent job um, informing uh, Virginia Tech Twitter about everything going on. So just want to shout out you. I really appreciate everything you're doing, and uh, I'm a huge fan and looking forward to your continued success. One last thing I would say is uh, you mentioned Twitter notifications. I really appreciate that. And it's a great time because guess what drops tomorrow? The VT Twitter bracket round two. Ooh. It's coming tomorrow, 6 p.m. Sons of Saturday is featured. Ooh. And it, it will be Honored. a blast. I am telling you, this one, last year was pretty good, but we didn't have Sons of Saturday. So how good could have it actually been? I was I was fired. I was actually I was doing everything I could to make it to make it as far as I could. I lost to, I lost to Buzz Williams in the Elite Eight. Um, uh, just just curi- just out of curiosity, some insider information. What, wh- where did you seed us, or did seeds not factor in this time again? So I have not finished the seeding, but uh, Sons of Saturday will be a top four seed in the sports Ooh. region. I can tell you that much. I like that. So, I like that. Uh, but I, I changed it a little bit. I've gone away uh, from the uh, big time accounts. Uh, I've included athletes sparingly, but besides that, besides one or two, uh, perf- you know, business accounts besides that it's just students it's just the people of vt twitter and then there's the sons that's awesome make sure you all vote this is a ton of fun you did this last year as you mentioned that 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 is a a an awesome thing and we we are fired up to be included and fired up to be to be a part grayson uh go ahead buddy take us home i I stamped that bill with the absence of the tournament this year because of COVID-19. That will be a lot of fun. We'll give you something to look forward to. Just want to shout out D. Cunnan one more time. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, shout out to everybody in the sports journalism and or multimedia journalism department at Virginia Tech. It's the new wave. Everybody there is such a stud. You guys have been crushing it. I've been watching you from afar. All the countless hours, as Bill Ross says, putting shots up. In uh, in Moss Art Center, um, doing your stand-ups and everything. I just I wish I had done that more. I really really do. So keep doing that. Keep hustling. Keep grinding. Keep making connections like David Cunningham. My only shout out really is besides that is uh, my YouTube channel at Grayson Wimbish. I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers. You're going to be quarantined for a little while, so you may as well go watch me do a little bit of goofy stuff outside of the Sons of Saturday. Uh, I'd really, really appreciate it if you would just smash the uh, subscribe button. It takes all of three seconds. Um, And also, any Sons of Saturday hype video drops on my channel, whether that be trailers for the season or uh, middle of season, stuff like that. So, guys, that is all the time we have today. David, one more time, thank you so much for coming on. 
Stay safe. Wash your hands. Don't go outside. Take this seriously and call your family and friends and tell them that you love them. You just never know. We'll see you in the next episode.